details of my life are quite inconsequential. Read my lips. If you have sex, your penis will fall off and land in another dimension populated entirely by dogs who will eat it. Well, that's something I'd like to avoid. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I'm a paladin with 18 charisma and 97 hit points. I can use my helm of disintegration and do 1d4 damage as my half-elf mage wields his plus five holy avenger. And as president, I'm going to make it impossible for congressmen or lobbyists to slip pork barrel projects or corporate welfare into laws when no one's looking. Because when I'm president, meetings where laws are written will be more open to the public, no more secrecy. That's a commitment I make to you as president. The Michael Graff Show. It is my opinion he is a danger to himself and others and is in need of treatment. Finally, a guy in broadcasting that represents the very average side of us all. The following broadcast is in the hands of a college-educated, barely-employed guy that does a podcast for an audience of fewer people than Paris Hilton has brain cells. It's hard to imagine that he's perpetually single. Now, from the middle of desert Urbania, this is Michael Groth in Exile. It's weird. It's so weird. Imagine me doing a podcast of all things. I know I'm supposed to do them like every day or something, but I've been on vacation. <laughs> Not really. Welcome in, yes, another edition of Michael Graff in Exile, the first edition in over a month. And here we are, it is, I have to look at the calendar because I don't even know what today is. The days they, they bleed together, it's uh, Tuesday, August the 10th, 2010. And of course, we're here live broadcasting to you from uh, our palatial studio in the middle of Desert Urbania, Phoenix, Arizona. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us a listen. I'm sure many of you are like... Just go on and subscribe to that podcast. It's some bitch. Now you don't do no podcast no more. Tell you what. I think I got our average uh, clientele, our average listener, down to a, a science right there. I'm sure that's what they sound like. All right. Um, man, so much has happened. I don't even know how we're going to cram all of this stuff. I'm going to just throw out this disclaimer before we go anywhere that a lot of the stuff I'm going to talk about on the show, at least some of it, a little bit of it, is going to be old news. And you're going to say, Mike, you know, I've heard about that for weeks now. I don't want to hear about it anymore. Yeah, well, you haven't heard me talk about it. And if you haven't heard me talk about it, then frankly, it's you just haven't heard it covered. It's just all there is to it. Contact information for the program. Yeah, it's still here. Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. Where literally ones of people send me emails. Uh, that and I do get swamped with thousands of spam messages every day. You know, what's odd is my breasts are still not any bigger or more natural or firmer than they ever were. Um, 
I've tried refinancing 77 times, and my penis has only grown a few inches uh, since applying all these creams, ointments, pills, and lotions to it for years. I mean, I figured by now it looked like the Washington Monument. <laughs> all right. Anyway, it is Mike at KMGX.com. That's also our PayPal address, and uh, we do encourage your donations because if you donate, then that keeps us on the air. And I do actually mean that because, well, you know, when you do the work that I do and then people don't pay their bills, just, I'm not making an issue about it. I'm just saying. It makes life a little bit more difficult. So our PayPal address, Mike at KMGX.com. Did I, did I sell that enough? Okay. Uh, Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. That is available to you 24-7, 365, provided the trillion doesn't completely crash, which is what happens on a semi-regular basis. And what else? Oh, of course, there's the one, the only MichaelGroff.com for all of your other Michael Groff needs. And hidden somewhere in the vastness of MichaelGroff.com, there is... Lots of porn. Mostly starring me, but, you know, hey. Something. All right, we do have a lot to get into. Needless to say, um, what's happened since we've been gone? Well, uh, celebrities have died. Others have attempted to commit suicide, like Fantasia Barino. Yeah, we didn't see that coming. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not saying this to be mean, and I, I really do sort of mean this uh, in all sincerity. Was this not something that I predicted on this show? Really? I know I predict a lot of things. I say a lot of things, but this is just another prediction that I think I had. After she won American Idol, I said, there's no woman, no way this woman is marketable. She wasn't. I, I don't remember a, a single hit coming out of the Fantasia Barino camp. I know they tried to sell that. People say, yeah, well, she could have done Broadway. No, no, no. She couldn't have done Broadway. She was a Broadway, for God's sake. The woman was huge. And I don't, again, I'm not saying this to be mean. I didn't like her singing style. She sounded like Macy Gray, and there's only one Macy Gray. And quite frankly, Macy Gray doesn't even sell very many albums. So, um, and you know, you could say, wow, Mike, she's won a Grammy. Great. Great. To me, it's all about awards. Individual accomplishments mean nothing if it's not backed up by success. See, people ask all the time, would you rather have accolades or would you rather have success? Because the accolades don't always come with the success. A lot of people can say, you're brilliant. You're, you're a great talk show host. You're a great whatever. But if you don't have the success to back it up, the accolades are nice. They make you feel good. You know, a little stroking of the E-peen, as it were. But ultimately, you got to have the success. And Fantasia Barino didn't have the success, so she uh, attempted to commit suicide. And uh, this is this is one of those weak suicide attempts, though. She, she like, took a bunch of aspirin. If you're going to do yourself in, and, and again, I don't encourage this. This is not... Um, <laughs> we should say, it's uh, time for the Michael Groff Suicide Show. If you want to commit suicide right now and want to know the best ways, give us a call. Let's go, let's go out to Carl in uh, in Studio City, California. Hey there, Mike. Uh, just sitting outside a uh, 
sitting outside an elementary school here. God. God, I love fifth graders. <laughs> you want the child molester show. Uh, that's on Thursday nights. <sighs> oh, sorry. Sorry, man. I don't mean to take up your time, but... God, this girl... This girl is... Uh, She's got a Jonas Brothers shirt on. I don't know what to do. <laughs> All right. So that's uh, that's really, that's the problem there. Don't take aspirin to commit suicide, really. Anyway, what a way to start the show. We haven't been here in forever. The first thing I talk about is Fantasia Barino. I know. What a show this is. All right, well, as you know, there's a lot that goes on on a daily basis. Every day, there's just so much news out there. There's all sorts of outlets and gateway, gatekeepers of the news, and there's what Fox News thinks is news. There's what CNN thinks is news. It's all sorts of outlets, but really all that matters is what I think is news. People are idiots. Everyone has their own definition of what's newsworthy. The feeling most people get when they hear a Barack Obama speech, my, I felt this thrill going up my leg. I mean, well, I don't have that too often. I guess some people shouldn't be gatekeepers of the news. But lucky for you, the decisions are now in the capable hands of this guy. Wow! It's time now for Michael Groff's seven most salient, salacious, and stimulating storylines of the day. It was hard to come up with seven things. Because, well, I mean, when you don't do a show for a month, usually more than seven things wind up happening. But here we go. Number seven. Former Senator of Alaska, Ted Stevens, a guy that we have certainly ripped on this show for various reasons, and deservedly so, and I don't take back any of the ripping, but uh, he and others were killed in a plane crash in Alaska earlier today. Uh, they presume that he is indeed dead, so certainly some sad news. Now, again, I, I didn't have much positive to say about Ted Stevens. I'm not going to be one of these phony radio hosts that comes on and says, our thoughts and prayers with his family, and I really like the guy. He was just an amazing human being, even though weeks earlier they would rip the guy. Okay, the guy was kind of a douche while he was a senator. But you certainly don't want to see him get killed in a plane crash. And, well, I didn't. However, I did read quite a few posts, quite a few comments associated with this story. I just want to say, man, the internet, it's amazing to me what happens after somebody gets killed. If they're a conservative guy, these liberal jackasses get on there and they make their comments like... And, and Ted, Ted Stevens was supposedly conservative. Um... You wouldn't know it by a spending record. But anyway, he was supposedly conservative. There, I saw these. Uh, I saw a story today with comments attached. These people said, Good! Another stupid fascist conservative dead and all these other... These are probably Mike Malloy listeners, I'm guessing. Piling on. The guy died. I mean, come on, show some respect. You don't have to agree with what he did while he was alive, but you don't have to pile on and say and stomp on his grave either. Classy. You stay classy, San Diego. Number six. Robert Gibbs. Boy, every time this guy opens his mouth, something else, another juicy nugget comes pouring out. 
Today, Robert Gibbs, White House press secretary, says, Hey, if you criticize Obama, you should be drug tested. You know, I just think everybody in Washington needs to be drug tested at this point. Number five. Uh, global warming update. It's been the coolest summer on record in Southern California. They are heading for the coolest period of June through August on record in SoCal. Uh, now, you wouldn't know that if you lived in, let's say, Palm Springs, for example. But along the coast, very, very cool temperatures. Very persistent, strong westerly flow has really kept the temperatures down in Los Angeles, San Diego, all the way up uh, the coast, even into places like San Francisco. It's just been much, much cooler than normal. They're saying that uh, in some areas they're, they're going to have a hard time getting fruit to ripen. and That's certainly not good news, but man, where's the panic machine that is global warming? What are they going to do? Oh, I, I, I know what they're going to say. Well, this just goes to show you that global warming's real because if it gets cooler, that means it's getting warmer. And if it's getting warmer, that means it's getting warmer. And if it's raining, that means it's global warming. And if it's too dry, it means it's global warming. Everything is tied into global warming. Any weather abnormality whatsoever or the absence of weather abnormalities indicates global warming. Okay, put on your tinfoil hats and play along, everybody. Number four. And we have another bailout. Oh, I'm sorry. Another stimulus on track. This time it's for $26 billion. And this time it's going to the teachers union. Another group of people that supported Barack Obama in his run to the White House. And what a surprise. These people are getting a bailout from Baracki. Isn't that wonderful? That's part of the August surprise, I guess. Surprise! Like, surprise, we're going broke. Number three. Three. The Iranians are warning that if the United States tries anything, if we make any sort of aggressive move, whatever, they've already got mass graves set up for U.S. soldiers that should attempt to go over there. Well, guys, um, it's pretty hard to have mass graves when we use intercontinental ballistic missiles. Stick that in your scud. Number two, two, two. Hey, did you guys know it's the summer of recovery? Yep, believe it or not, the summer of recovery is underway. Let's see, 131,000 jobs were lost in July. Wait, hold on a minute. Maybe this is upside down. No, nope, this story is accurate. 131,000, that would be negative 131,000 jobs for the month of July. Man. This uh, summer of recovery is really, it's kind of looking like, well, last summer, which was not the summer of recovery. Boy, I mean, right now, if you're a Democrat, you've got to be running, not walking. You've got to be running from this administration. You've got to be distancing yourself from any of this, this stimulus, this health care. I mean, do you understand the, the crap storm that is heading for the White House and for uh, Congress come November. I mean, Obama's going to be, he's going to go from having this huge majority, he might just become a lame duck first term president by November. 
Now, I'd say be careful what you wish for, because let's not forget that when the Republicans were in power, uh, they pretty much spent, 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 and, uh, oh, yeah, they spent. So, I mean, if you think that the Republicans might very well get their wish, I mean, they're very likely going to get their wish in the House, and there's a slight chance that they're going to get the Senate. And if they do, my question is, what the hell are they going to do? Number one. Number one. Did you see the JetBlue flight attendant that totally freaked out? This is a great story. So, the airline industry has really changed, but let's just, I'll just tease it by saying, this flight attendant, I don't know if you've seen this story, this flight attendant for JetBlue uh, took a little bit too much crap, or I guess had taken enough crap from a passenger and totally freaked out. And of course, there's a couple of twists to this story. Anyway, I know it's just seven things and there's a million other things to talk about too, but that's just some of the stuff that's on my radar at this point. Who needs billion dollar cable news when you've got Michael Graff? <laughs> that's a, it's an incredible story, this jet blue guy. So he was, um, I guess they were getting ready to, to head out to the runway. And you know what happens on airlines these days. Um, everybody is an asshole. Let's just, let's call it as it is. Passengers on airplanes, for the most part, have become complete douchebags. And let's face it, the airline industry, from flight attendants to pilots, they've become, well, they've certainly become jackasses as well. And I'm, that's just breaking it down, all right? I'm just, I'm giving it to you raw and real here. It's, it's not, you're not flying the friendly skies anymore. Um, there's a lot of bad flight attendants now. And there's a lot of bad passengers. And you put the two in combination with one another, and it gets ugly. So this guy, uh, this JetBlue flight attendant, what happened was a passenger was, of course, doing something stupid and trying to fumble and get something out of the overhead bin when they were trying to get, um, I think they were still waiting to taxi out to the runway. The flight attendant said, sir, uh, you can't do that right now. And so um, the passenger was like, well, I'm doing it anyway. So he did. And he hit, winds up accidentally hitting the flight attendant in the head. And then flight attendant snaps. Now, in a way, I kind of don't blame the guy in a sense. So the guy, he just, he starts yelling at the passenger. Get in your seat, sir. You have to sit down. And then he goes and he gets on the intercom system, the plane's PA. All right. He's like. Ladies and gentlemen, you're all a bunch of jackasses, all of you. Uh, every single one of you, you're all incompetent retards. You are you are mongoloid morons, each and every one of you, and I can't stand you. And with that, that's not uh, that's, that's a dramatic recreation of what he said. You're now free to suck my ass. And so then he, dude, grabs some beer... He grabs a bunch of beer that's on the plane and he goes out the emergency exit and he inflates one of those slides, those parachute slides, and he slides down and leaves the plane. He just bails. He's like, I'm out. Ladies and gentlemen, I am out of here. He just bails. 
That has got to be, I mean, in a way, it's it's so incredibly fun. If I was on the plane, I don't think, I, I would have probably had an aneurysm. I would have laughed so hard, a vein would have burst. I would have, I would have hacked up a lung from laughing so hard. I'm sure other people were freaked out. I know there's probably going to be a lawsuit. Somebody's going to suffer emotional distress as a result of this. You know that's going to happen. I suffered emotional distress on a JetBlue flight. <laughs> this guy, he started, he called us a bunch of mongoloid retards or whatever he said. And I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm just, I can't go on with my life anymore. A flight attendant insulted me, and, and, and that's just too much for me, and I don't like it. You know that's going to happen. That's coming. This guy bails out. Well, of course, there's a twist to this story. There's a couple of twists, actually. Number one, the guy came back to work today, and he still had a job. Yeah, that's right. Dude still is employed by JetBlue. He did not get fired. I'm wondering what you have to do in this economy, especially. I'm wondering what you have to do to get fired from JetBlue. If he opened the door, maybe while the plane was in flight, he grabs a parachute and jumps out the emergency exit. He's like, screw you guys. He grabs a six pack of beer and maybe then. <laughs> but I doubt it. But you'd think you've got five people for every one job that's available. You have five people seeking a job. That's the new statistic that's out there. You'd think that they would have been like, all right, dude, you are, you are bounced. You're so out of here. Five, six years ago, when everybody had a job, they said they, they probably could have said, well, we, we can't even fire this guy. There's n everybody's got a job, so we can't fire him. We, we're just stuck with him. We'll just move him to a different department. We'll make him a pilot. That should work out. Well, anyway, uh, so that's that's twist number one. Twist number two is guess who came to his defense? Um, his mother. Well, you always have your mom on your side. As long as you got a mom, she's going to be there for you. Unless, of course, you know, you bailed out on the Christmas party last year. All right, everybody, this is a this is a Christmas party. This Christmas party sucks. I don't I got another stupid pink sweater from Uncle Joe. Listen, Joe, I don't, my fence don't swing that way, all right? I am out of here. Thank you. He just bails. Because flight attendants, they carry around the intercom system with them everywhere they go. Ladies and gentlemen, like they go to, the, they get a restaurant to order. Uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I will have, uh, I'm going to have uh, the side salad. Um, I'd like some uh, ranch dressing, please. Uh, Diet Coke, if you would, please. Thank you. Anyway, yeah, his mom has his back. Check it out. Mom sticks up for him. The, the cancer-stricken mother of the JetBlue flight attendant who flipped out aboard a, uh, at Kennedy Airport defended her son on Tuesday. Quote, I can understand why he snapped. I would have snapped too. Stephen, Stephen Slater's mom, Diane, said outside of her home on Thursday. Quote, I think he just had a very small meltdown. And I think a, a small meltdown, a small meltdown would have been getting in the guy's face and, and yelling and screaming at him and looking like a jackass. It's a pretty big meltdown when you just yell at the guy, you curse the entire plane via the PA system, you open the emergency exit and slide down the chute and just leave. The guy is facing trespassing charges, criminal mischief, among others. 
Anyway, quote, I think he just had a small meltdown. I think he just had a small meltdown. And I think he deserved to be able to have that meltdown. If you saw that egg on his, on his, if you saw that egg on his head where he got hit by the bag, where he got smacked, I also don't think that people who are in the service industry should be abused by everybody, whether it be a passenger or a family or anybody. Nobody should be abusing anybody. Diane Slater came to the defense of her son hours after he pleaded not guilty to criminal mischief, reckless endangerment, and trespassing charges. That's the trifecta right there. That's the idiot trifecta. Reckless endangerment, criminal mischief, and trespassing. Stephen Slater, 38, was busted Monday for uh, allegedly spewing obscenities over the public address system. (laughs) Grabbing two beers and running out the emergency exit. So, there you go. What a great story. That, by the way, that's got to be the best story of the year. It really does. That's... That's awesome. Now, uh, if we're going to be serious about this for just a second, you know, I remember a time in this country where when people used to fly, well, I actually don't remember it because I really wasn't alive for it. But there was a time in this country where when people flew on planes, they wore their Sunday best. They got all dressed up. Men wore ties. Women wore, you know, nice dresses. Uh, People got dressed up, they, they, they bathed, believe it or not. Yeah, I know, people actually took a shower or bath or both before they got on the plane. They, they didn't bathe themselves in cologne or perfume to cover up their incredibly stenchy, uh, disgusting body odor. And they got on the plane and they acted civil. And flight attendants, I, I found this, this is from 1959, American Airlines in 1959. Do you know to be a flight attendant? On American Airlines, you had to be between the ages of 20 and 26, unmarried, and maximum weight, 135 pounds. So you see, the, the airline tried to put on, out quality-looking flight attendants that were single. The industry, uh, people dressed up. It was just everybody treated the business a little bit differently. Nowadays... People show up, they, they put on their Dago tees. They haven't showered for six months. You sit next to a guy who puts his arms back and he's got some kind of fungus growing out of his pit. God knows, he, he starts scratching himself while he's watching a movie on his laptop, probably porn. You know, I sat on a plane once, it's absolutely true. Absolutely true. I sat on a plane and went to Minneapolis once. There's a guy watching, I was in the back of the plane. This guy watching porn on his laptop. Not making that up. It's abs- you want to talk about feeling uncomfortable. Now, the guy had headphones on, but I mean, he had him out pretty loud and he's sitting right next to me. If he had reached down to touch himself, I would have, I, I would have opened the emergency exit at 30,000 feet. I would have jumped. I would have bailed. I would have said, I'm out. No, thanks. <laughs> All right, well, look, that's the way that the business has changed. You can't have a loose cannon like this working for your airline. This guy's still having a job. Well, remind me not to fly JetBlue anytime soon. They had cheap rates, too. I was going to fly. 
you know, if I ever went to New York, if I ever wanted to, um, not not likely, but if the event, if the situation were to ever come about where I'd, you know, go flying someplace, I don't know. I'd have to really uh, second guess a company that would hire people that's that act like that. Doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. All right, anyway, mike at kmgx.com. That would be the email address. It's mike at kmgx.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show on AOL Instant Messenger. EFNet IRC, the channel net radio. michaelgroff.com for all of your other Michael Groff needs. And of course, PayPal. Yes, I said PayPal. You can always donate to this show. And really, I encourage it. Mike at KMGX.com. All right, coming up, a lot of stuff to get into. I got to talk about SB 1070, Arizona's fight against illegal immigration. It was struck down while we were on our uh, sort of hiatus thing. Um, there's just been a lot of fallout from that. We got to talk about the summer of recovery. Oh, what a recovery we have going on. It's and so much more. Michael Groff in exile on a Tuesday. We're, uh, we're coming right back. Channel 5 Eyewitness News. Good evening, I'm Ken Bastida. Dana is off tonight. He was murdered and then set on fire while celebrating his birthday. Exploiting other people's mistakes to cover our own f***-ups. It's the Michael Graff Show. Segment number two, back with it here, the Michael Groff Show. Bumpers for the segment provided by Hillary. Uh, Mike at KMGX.com. That would be the email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Hey, conveniently, that's also the PayPal address where you can make your most generous contributions to this here fine radio program. Uh, Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show, AOL Instant Messenger. EFNet, IRC, Net Radio, the channel. And, of course, anything else Michael Groff related can be found at the one, the only, MichaelGroff.com. Hey, I'm just going to bang my head around for a while. Excuse me. 
It's the podcast with the largest music library on the planet. Yeah, we're just gonna play techno the rest of the show. Screw, screw the content. All right. So uh, while we were on our little hiatus, we had SB 1070 news. Lots of news regarding uh, Arizona's law fighting illegal immigration, making it so that, well, I mean, it just makes sense. Police can actually enforce federal law, law that's already on the books. I mean, really, I don't see why that's a problem at all. Yeah, imagine that. Giving the police the ability to enforce federal law. You know, like how the police can stop a bank robbery? Well, that's a federal crime. Well, apparently, a judge has decided, though, that uh, SB 1070 is, at least parts of it, are not constitutional. So, of course, the state of Arizona is going to appeal. And the open borders crowd, they're also appealing because they still see that some parts of it were okayed by the judge. And uh, the show you that the wheels of justice turn really quickly. Uh, we're not going to hear about this till, let's see, the appeal won't be going through until, oh, look at this, after the November election. That's great. So we have a long time to wait on this one. And you can bet it's going to go to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal, where it will likely be upheld there. And then it's going to go to the United States Supreme Court. And given the nature of the Supreme Court, you know what's going to happen there. SB 1070, it could be, it's a coin flip at best. You could say, well, Mike, you know, it's five to four, supposedly conservative right now. But, you know, not every conservative is necessarily behind SB 1070, in spite of the fact that over 75% of Arizonans are behind it. Actually, I, I have a poll here. Now, this is a Rasmussen poll that finds that Let's see. This one actually says 80% in the state of Arizona favor SB 1070. Another one I have says 70%. But the polls are overwhelmingly, at least two-thirds of the people support SB 1070. They support Arizona in their fight against illegal immigration. Other cities, municipalities, other states have done the same thing. They have initiated legislation to do the same thing. And they will likely be... Uh, stopped or f they, they will probably see some fights coming about from this. But ultimately, Arizona was really the first to take the step. What's interesting is we just followed the federal immigration law that already exists. And we're taking crap over it. And the open borders people are, of course, fighting this on the basis that the law is racist. And yet you still can't find for me a, a single passage in this only 10-page law that's racist. I issued the $10,000 challenge. We, we do this every once in a while. A $10,000 challenge. And uh, the $10,000 challenge is find the racism that's in SB 1070 and you can't. There isn't any. It doesn't mention Mexican. It doesn't mention Latino. It doesn't mention any nationality, any race whatsoever. It doesn't mention Asia. Doesn't mention, uh, there is no mention of any specific race, color, creed, religion, whatever. It's not in this bill. If you can find it, then fine, but you can't. It does not exist. That's the point. 
So here we are once again uh, confronted with this madness from the open borders people. And to show you how bad it got while we were on our hiatus, let me tell you something. So the Arizona Diamondbacks went on a road trip here a couple of weeks ago. Yes, this has to do with 1070. The Arizona Diamondbacks were in New York. They were playing the Mets at City Field. Into the game... Uh, there's a couple of nudniks that ran onto the field and they unfurled a Mexican flag. Now, no doubt they did this, not coincidentally, because the Arizona Diamondbacks were in town. So they unfurl a Mexican flag and, of course, security runs out there. But, of course, this blew up in their face because then all the fans in the stands, they started chanting USA, USA, as, as these as people were being taken down. Then... Fast forward a few days later, the Diamondbacks come back home. They play the Washington Nationals and a couple of nutty lunatics run onto the field here at Chase Field in downtown Phoenix and they unfurl a bed sheet that reads, stop the hate. And it's just another one of these things, I guess. I don't know. Maybe they were directing it at Ken Kendrick, who's the owner of the Diamondbacks. He hasn't weighed in one way or the other on the 1070 issue, by the way. Because he's smart. He hasn't weighed in on it, and yet you've got these people that are doing this at the games now. They're, they're disrupting things. We had, uh, on the day that this ruling came down from the judge, you had people engaging in civil disobedience across the city of Phoenix, blocking entrances to the jails. Some 50 people were arrested on that day. Uh, I would have arrested everybody that was out there. If you're engaging in civil disobedience, you know what? I probably would have just opened fire, quite frankly. Why not? Hey, you want to start blocking traffic? You want to start disrupting the, the civil order in, in a major metropolitan city like Phoenix? I know how to disperse that crowd pretty fast. One or two tear gas grenades, that'll do it. Tear gas grenade or two, right out there. Breaks up a crowd every time. Spray them with some rubber bullets, that'll do it. It's time, you know, you got to send a message. Not going to tolerate civil disobedience. Ridiculous. So the open borders crowd was out there. They were, they were, um, they were having a, a fun fest and disrupting baseball games. And um, but see, right now they're sort of feeling good about themselves because at this point, uh, 1070 is not enacted as it was uh, proposed, in spite of the fact again that 70 to 80 percent of, of Arizonans are in support of it. Um, really, we should just put it on the ballot and then. Do it that way. And you can say to me, well, Mike, uh, you know, just because the majority are in opinion, just because the majority seem to feel that it's okay, that doesn't mean it's right. It's not morally right. Yet these are the same people that tell you, well, a majority are in favor of Obamacare. Well, which is it? You can't turn around and say that a majority is acceptable in one, in one situation, but it's not acceptable in another situation. You know, a majority ruled in California. They put it to a vote. A majority said gay people can't get married. Yeah, I think it's stupid. Who cares? Let gay people get married. But the, guess what? The majority said they can't. We have a legal system. It can go through the appropriate legal system. It has done so. And the legal system has come back and said, well, um, actually, they can. They can get married. Fine. 
But don't give me this crap about, well, uh, you know, the majority, uh, they're not right. Okay. Well, the next time uh, you're on the business end of this argument, then we'll, we'll talk, huh? I guess. All right. Um, yeah, Summer of Recovery mentioned it off the top of the show. 131,000 jobs were lost in the month of July. Yep, things are looking uh, pretty up right now. You know, the Democrats can't distance themselves fast enough from President Obama. And primarily it's because uh, so far as they're calling them Obamanomics just aren't working. Um, Obama came out right after he was elected, about a month after he was elected, and he said that he was going to save or create 2 million jobs. And the number kept bouncing around, 1 million, uh, half a million. He said that his stimulus package and his policies would save or create about 2 million jobs. And, you know, some of his most ardent supporters can still go around and say, well, we saved General Motors. We got the government involved. We saved General Motors. We saved him. Yeah, at, at what cost? You know, uh, sure. Um, but I don't know how you can have, uh, in the time that you've been in office, you know, a million and a half or two million jobs actually lost and then try and go before the American people when unemployment is at 10 percent. You're going to go before the American people and you're going to stand up there and and puff out your chest and you're going to say, we've saved or created two and a half million jobs. Really? Because right now what I'm seeing is a lot of people are unemployed. It's a lot of folks that are unemployed right now. And we have the, the frightening statistic that I mentioned earlier. And this is a frightening statistic for a lot of reasons because in my lifetime, 32 years on this planet, I've never seen this statistic before. I've never seen it this bad. For every job that's available currently, there are five people seeking a job. Five job seekers for every job available. That is a alarming ratio. You know, just a few years ago, that ratio was very close to one for one to one. And matter of fact, for a while, there were more jobs than there were people seeking jobs, especially in certain sectors. Right now, it's five, jo five job seekers for every job that's available. You have to go back 75 years to find a ratio that's that unbelievable. And people are going to stand up here and they're going to say that this guy's doing a great job. He had a stimulus package that was $787 billion, which really, uh, after, um, after they tacked onto it, it wound up actually being over $900 billion. And it did nothing. We gave checks to people, did nothing. Well, we built some infrastructure. No, you didn't. Well, we started, uh, we started the Obamacare system. Great. And, and that cost hasn't even kicked in yet. About three, that's three, four years down the line before that cost kicks in. And look at the deficit. Look at the deficit. And now, now all of a sudden, the Democrats, which, who were so, they were all over the Republicans and they were all over the Bush administration about the deficit spending. Now all of a sudden they say, well, deficit spending really isn't that bad. You know, Republicans are always the ones screaming about the deficit, but they spend, we, you know, it's not a big deal now. No, it's not a big deal now because your guy has done more spending in his year and a half in office than Bush did in eight years. I mean, I'm sorry, but I'll sit up here and I will trash the Republicans for their spending. And they spent and spent and spent like there was no tomorrow. 
And they were just unrelenting in their spending. And I didn't think that anybody could outspend the, the Republicans. But guess what? Yeah, you guessed it. The Democrats came in and they outspent the Republicans. And they brought up more of these programs, these ridiculous programs. And they actually have the gall to go out there and try and increase taxes and justify a tax increase in a time where... People are losing their jobs. How do you justify a tax increase? How do you do that? What's, what's the justification there? What do, you, what do you do? Do you go up to people and you go, all right, listen, I know you don't have money right now to pay your bills, pay your credit card bills. And I know you don't have money uh, to, to pay the rent. Do you know what? Screw you. I'm going to raise your taxes. We're the government. We know what's best for you. You know, we're going to give you your health care. Yeah, well, how are you going to pay for it? Well, we're going to raise your taxes. That's how we're going to pay for it. Stupid. We're not going to raise your taxes. We're just going to go after, you know, the, the top wage earners. Yeah, but aren't those the people that give us jobs? Yeah, well, you know, they have a lot of money, so they won't feel it at all. They won't notice. And if we're going to trash the Democrats here, let's also trash the Republicans because this also happened while we were on our hiatus here. So uh, the Republicans, in their infinite wisdom, decided they were going to block legislation to extend unemployment benefits to 14 million Americans whose unemployment benefits were about to expire. And the Republicans said, hey, we don't want to create a welfare state here. We don't want to create a dependency upon unemployment. That's all well and good. And I mean, that's very altruistic of you. And I, and I you know, of course it's not. <laughs> I mean, the, clearly you're just trying to help derail the Obama train. Look, it's going to derail by itself. You guys don't need to help it along. Instead of playing politics, you know, these people actually need these unemployment benefits. And you know how I feel about government entitlements. You know how I feel about welfare, and I am very happy that during the Clinton administration and the Bush administration, there was substantial welfare reform that took place in this country. And the fact that people just can't sit on welfare for their entire lives and watch prices right and get fat right along with Drew Carey, I'm glad that, you know, that doesn't go on as much. I'm glad that people aren't necessarily in, you know, just running out and having 47 children for the express purpose of getting a larger check and larger food stamps from the government. Okay. And I agree. I'm all for welfare reform. But see, unemployment benefits, that's something that we pay into. That's something we pay into the insurance, the unemployment insurance. Employers pay into that. That's our money. That is our money. And if you try to make the argument, see, the Republicans try to make the argument that, well, uh, you know, we don't want people that are just going to go out there and live on this unemployment. You see, that's just such an out-of-touch statement. Have you ever seen how much money you get for unemployment? It's $240 a week. Now, for those of you victims of public education, that's $960 in a month. $960 in a month. How can a person live on $960 a month? You cannot. You cannot have a sustainable 
living condition on $960 a month unless you live with like five other people or you live in some cardboard box in Dubuque, Iowa, for God's sake. That's about the only way that you're going to be able to live on $960 a month. There's just no conceivable manner. You know, I mean, I know people, they live on... Uh, they they have their rent is like between seven hundred to a thousand dollars a month. Well, there's your unemployment right there. Never mind food and utilities and God forbid medical expenses or anything else that comes along. So for the Republicans to make the argument of well, we don't want people living off the unemployment benefits. Really, R- really, you're actually going to try and claim that people are going to live off the unemployment benefits? You can't. It's nothing. Well, we want to give people an incentive to go back to work. Most people that are on unemployment, most people, they want to work. Okay? Most people that are on it, they just, they need that little bit of money to eat. They need that little bit of money. I mean, they're, they're going to just have to decide what bills not to pay. And they're just not going to pay them. They need that money so they can eat. Hopefully, some of them have some severance packages they can live off of while they're in between jobs. You know, it's not like it was four or five, six years ago. When you lost your job, you just run out and got another one. Because that's how it was. Unemployment was down around, in this state, unemployment dipped below 4% for a while, four, five, six years ago. But it's not like that now. Unemployment across the board averaging about 10%. And really, the number is actually a lot higher because a lot of people have dropped dropped off the the uh, the dole. They're either not receiving benefits or they've just flat out stopped trying to look for work. And those aren't lazy people necessarily. Some people that have stopped trying to look for work, they're not lazy. Those are people that have been... I, I know people that have worked at a job for 20 years or they've been doing a specific job for 20 years or more. And they've developed a skill set within that field. And now those jobs are no longer available or they're not easily available. They're not available where they live. And now they're like, well, what am I going to do? I have all this experience, but I, but those jobs aren't available. And, you know, you can say, well, go work at McDonald's. You know, I hate to tell you, but McDonald's isn't paying what unemployment pays. McDonald's is paying $7 an hour. Even if somehow you got full-time work at McDonald's at $7 an hour. That's 200 before taxes, it's $250 a week. After taxes, a lot less. 190, whatever, something like that. 200, maybe. And what is it really? That's about right. It's about, it's about 200 a week. So you're actually making less. So there's no incentive. <laughs> so uh, let's, I'm ripping government all across the board. So is it any doubt that all the incumbents are going to get thrown out or the, a whole bunch of incumbents are going to get thrown out in November? That movement is really, it's, it's dug in now. There are a lot of people that are going to be losing their jobs in Congress in November. And I'm not going to cry a tear for a single one of them. Good. Get them out. It's unreal. It really is. 
It is, it's just, to me, it's mind-bending. We don't want people living on their unemployment. Well, yeah, because that's what people do. They live on $240 a week. In 1975, you could live on $240 a week. Uh, get a calendar, dude. That, that ain't the year we're living in right now. Wake up. All right, we got more uh, great news. Speaking of bailouts, speaking of government spending, and this, this again just brings about the point that I'm trying to make about why people are so upset. And it, this is just symptomatic of what's going on right now. We have yet another stimulus-type bill, piece of legislation that's being voted on. It doesn't even have a name on it yet. Uh, CNET is reporting that a watchdog website on Sunday evening noted that the Democrats' $26 billion spending measure includes a few blank spaces. Check it out. Congress' official website calls it the Blank Act of Blank. And the Library of Congress, uh, Thomas we uh, Library uh, of Congress, Thomas website... Uh, let's see, it displays it as the XXXXX Act of XXXX. A nameless bill for a hopeless cause is a fitting metaphor for a Democratic Congress that refuses to listen to the American people and abandon the job-killing agenda, said House Republican leader John Boehner. Boehner on Monday offered 10 possible names for what he called the Union boss bailout. He uh, he has so here's here's some of his name. He calls it the Save Our Stimulus, the SOS Act, the Recovery Summer Bailout Act, Cash for Flunkers. <laughs> That's pretty good. Delivering unions a major boost, DUMB Act, helping election expenditures. Hurting American workers. Hee-haw. Democracy is strengthened by... Let's see. Democracy is strengthened by clearly leveraging and optimizing special interests effectively. Disclose Act. That one's not so good. Holding union bosses over until card check act. I don't know. Some of these are not so strong. Frivolous act of ineffective largesse. Fail. There you go. That's the one I like. Anyway, um, Boehner says that the Republican Party is listening to the American people and is uh, offering better solutions to make government more responsive and accountable to the people it serves. Republicans specifically object to what they call out-of-control government spending that they say is boosting deficits and stifling job creation. They also criticize House Speaker Nancy Pelosi for calling the House back into session this week to pass a bill that will, quote, create and save, according to Pelosi, 290,000 American jobs. You know, that's just the thing. That's, that's the line of BS that's out there, too. We're going to save or create jobs. Yeah, so far, let's just say, it, look, man, if this is what 2 million saved or created jobs looks like, I'd hate to see what 2 million lost jobs looks like. You imagine? 
Republicans say the bill is an election year gift to teachers unions and public workers unions. The Senate passed the no-name legislation last week by a vote of 61 to 39 at a time when the House had already adjourned. It's unbelievable. And you know what's going on here. This is $26 billion that's going to teachers unions and workers unions. You know, these are the biggest campaign contributors to Barack Obama. This is a payback. And you know, what's really interesting is, and what may really turn the tide for the upcoming election, and this is something that's been rumored to be underway in the White House, sort of an August surprise before we have the primaries and certainly a surprise before the election. They're saying that what could wind up happening is um, Obama could uh, roll out this idea where all of the current loans that are out there, these home loans, will be forgiven. Which basically means if you owe a bunch of money, they'll just say, eh, you don't know it. We're going to pay it for you. Really? That's a great idea. What a great incentive. So, so somebody went out and they bought themselves. They made $35,000 a year. They went out and bought a $700,000 house and they couldn't afford it. Now the government's going to step in and say, you know what? You deserve that house. We know you got in. You're all upside down on this damn thing. And you want a short sale. You want to get rid of it. You know what we're going to do? We're just going to pay it for you. Look, if the government's going to hand out money, could you hand me some? I actually need it. I'm actually somebody that that tries hard, and I, I bu certainly bust my ass every day. And uh, I'm certainly not getting anywhere. So why not throw some money my way? Oh, I see. Because um, I haven't gone out and done something stupid. I haven't gotten into uh, $800,000 in debt, and now I can't pay it. So that's the idea. What you have to do is you have to go out and accrue a, a super amount of debt, just an insane amount of debt. And then once you do that, the government will come along and they'll bail you out. They'll help you out once you've done that. All right, well, now that I know that that's what you have to do, now that I know that that's sort of the formula here that we're working with, I'm going to do that. But go out and get me a whole bunch of debt. I'm just going to take a bunch of money. I'm just going to throw it down the craps table. That's what I'm going to do couple of million bucks go out there i'm gonna paint the i'm gonna go out there and make some casinos some money in vegas that's my bailout be like all right sir uh, you've accrued eight hundred thousand in debt yeah uh, you know what send the tab to uncle obama send it to nancy pelosi aunt nancy and uncle uh uncle uh uncle barack and aunt nancy let's do that Got a Vegas trip coming up. You know, it's so weird. I have a Vegas trip coming up. I don't have a dime. I'm not going for the gambling. There's no way. Right now, uh, there's 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 probably more spider webs in my wallet than there is money. I don't have a dime. I don't care, though. Take that. You know what I'm going to do? I'll put it all on credit. You know what? I'm not even going to put it all on credit. I'm going to just charge to the government. I'm going to say, you know what? Barack's got it. He's got my back, baby. He'll pay for it. He'll pay for everything else. Why not? Uh, it's, I'm, 
I'm stunned. I really am. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm done. All right, we got to take a break. Mike at KMGX.com. That's the email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. We'll come back for a third and final segment. And then we'll put the uh, wraps on this show. Man, I got so much. I haven't gotten into. There's so much crap I haven't even gotten to. Why, what am I doing? I'm just spinning my wheels here. By the time I get caught up, I'll, I'll need another hiatus for my podcast. Mike at KMGX.com, the email address. That's also our PayPal address. Send money. And I mean it. I have bills. I'm not kidding. It sounds like I'm kidding, but I'm not. All right, michaelgraff.com for all other things Michael Graff sort of related. It's Michael Graff in exile on a Tuesday. Back after this. Segments. Michael Graff in exile on a Tuesday. Now a little long distance dedication to the federal government. Mike at KMGX.com, the email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com, Michael Graff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. And of course, for all things Michael Graff related, you know that you can go to the one and only place to find it, MichaelGraff.com. Um, you can donate to the program, of course, via PayPal. Mike at KMGX.com is also our PayPal address. Send money, please. Uh, every donation you make means that, you know, I don't have to go hungry. And it also means that you're not sending money to Sally Struthers. Because she just ate all that money that she supposedly was sending over to Africa for kids.
right. Man, I'm just, this Robert Gibbs, this guy is an open mouth, insert foot kind of person. Couldn't be a better spokesman for the Obama administration, right? Is this guy not perfect? Uh, I don't know if you heard the latest uh, comment that he threw out there, but this is wonderful. Now, as we all know, it's now, if you try to criticize the Obama administration, you're immediately branded a racist, of course. We all knew that. As, again, on this show, we talked about years ago uh, while Obama was running, you know, uh, we knew that if, if you tried to criticize this guy, you'd be immediately branded a racist. That would be the, the card, the tack that they would take. Um, but now, now you're also, not only are you a racist, but you should be drug tested if you dare to criticize Papa Obama. Uh, this is, according to Robert Gibbs, the White House Press secretary, this is the face of the Obama administration, as it were. Quote, I hear these people saying he's like George Bush. Those people ought to be drug tested. I mean, it's crazy. Is it? Is it really crazy to compare Barack Obama to George W. Bush? Because in a lot of ways, he's sort of like furthering the George Bush agenda that everybody else claimed that they hated. Um, the war in Afghanistan, it's still going on. People are dying. Uh, while we were on our, hi our hiatus, I have to circle back to this, or as the as Robert Gibbs would say, I have to walk walk it back to this point in a minute about the WikiLeaks, about the leaked documents that came out, and we'll get to that momentarily. But um, this is a guy who's still he's he's on his uh, crusade, and of course, when it came to the oil companies, yeah, he talked tough, and he got in front of the American people, said he was going to be tough. But really, this is a guy that took money from the oil companies for his campaign. So don't sit there and try and be fooled by, uh, I'm for change. There's nothing changing about this guy. It's more of the same spending that the government has been engaged in. It's more of the same war. It's more of the same garbage. In fact, it's, it's just completely, now it's even more bass backwards than it was before. The war in Afghanistan, we went from being ahead, from winning, sort of, to now, there's absolutely not a winnable situation. We, we changed the strategy over there completely. We tried for this counterinsurgency. That's just been a, a complete disaster. So Robert Gibbs says anybody that says he's like George Bush is just is, uh, ought to be drug tested. That's good. The press secretary dismissed the professional left in terms uh, very similar to those uh, used uh, by their opponents on the uh, ideological right, saying, quote, they will be satisfied when we have Canadian health care and we've eliminated the Pentagon. That's not reality. Well, um, yeah, listen, there's a lot of people that want the, that Canadian-style health care, so that's never going to happen here. Uh, by the way, um, while we were gone, I, there was another great story that came out. Uh, the C Canadian health care system, yeah, it's broke. It's got no money. That great system that they tout up there, it doesn't work. And uh, frankly, who cares? It's Canada anyway. I stopped caring about that quite a while ago.
His remarks reflect the White House's sensitivity at uh, criticism from the left of the Democratic Party, who are unhappy that Obama has too often appeared to compromise on domestic policy while continuing Bush administration policies on Afghanistan and Iraq, as well as a continued failure to close Guantanamo prison. I've heard some of the talking heads on the left that while they still champion Obama in a way, I've heard them call him, like, for example, that Tom Hartman, he's called him a, a corporatist. He said he's a corporatist president. Other people have been very critical of this Obama administration. They said this guy is not a progressive. God, if you think it's bad now, imagine if he really was a progressive. Imagine how bad it would really be then. And then there's this story for you. This is just something a little bit different. And I guess I never thought that this was really possible, but um, from Brewster, Massachusetts, a guy actually had a plant growing inside of his lung. Check this out. There was a problem sprouting in a local man's lung. Doctors originally thought that the new growth was a tumor. But when they looked closer, they got a big surprise. Quote, I was told I had a pea seed in my lung that had split and then sprouted, said Ron Sweden. It was not the diagnosis Ron Sweden was expecting. He had prepared himself to hear the words cancer or tumor, but a plant growing in his lung? Probably about a half an inch, which is a pretty big thing, of course, said Sweden. Ron uh, had been sick for months. He was already fighting emphysema when his health took a turn for the worse. Quote, I was not doing too well. A lot of, uh, a lot of coughing. I was uh, very listless, said Sweden. On Memorial Day, Sweden's wife called 911 and they rushed him to the hospital where x-rays found uh, that his left lung had actually collapsed. For two weeks, they ran tests but they all came back negative for cancer until one doctor found the plant growing in his lung. Whether this would have uh, gone full term and I'd be uh, growing uh, out like the Jolly Green Giant, I don't know. I think this thing uh, that finally dawned on me was that it wasn't cancer. I was, he was glad that it wasn't cancer. I don't know, man. I mean, it's great that it's not cancer, but you got a plant growing in your lung. Uh, so anyway, they they did uh, they they did some surgery. They got this thing out of there, and I guess he's doing a lot better. Friends are now teasing him. Uh, they're sending him cans of peas. <laughs> I guess what happened was he uh, he was eating peas one day, and and one just went down the wrong way, got in his lung. Uh, that's that's terrible. All right, I, I want to walk this uh, walk this back for a second now to use uh, Robert Gibbs' term. Just want to mention, uh, you know, uh, while we were gone, we also had that WikiLeaks story come out. Remember, this is the story about all the leaked documents that went over to WikiLeaks. These are top secret Pentagon documents. Uh, what was it like? Was it 90,000 or it, it was some uh, just insane number. And if you if you read them now, obviously, I didn't read all of them, but I did read some. I read some of the excerpts and some of the documents and uh, some of the things that were on there. You know, it's not like this is all stuff that we didn't already know. Most of this stuff that went out to WikiLeaks these supposed classified documents, uh, they showed, gee, uh, the war in Afghanistan isn't going so well. Uh, the Afghan people, um, yeah, not going so well. 
people in the military bombed innocent people. Mistakes were made. Shocking. Friendly fire casualties. Yeah, we knew that those already went on. Pat Tillman was a fine example, and, and I'm sure so, there was uh, some Pat Tillman stuff in there, I do believe. So there was a lot of stuff in these documents, and some of it was a little bit scary, but most of it was stuff that we already knew or had an idea about. Still, uh, people were freaked out that this stuff uh, managed to make its way out and that it was all out there in the open. But I, I got to tell you, I, I wasn't, not only was I not really surprised, but I was surprised that it really made that big a deal. Yeah, I guess the whistleblower, you should probably go after him if you can find who he is. Now, they suspect that they have the guy, but they don't know for sure. WikiLeaks. Honestly, I didn't even know that that existed until this story came out. You know what's weird is I, I think I've probably done a WikiLeaks story on this show before, but I just, I probably just didn't, I don't know if I even made the connection or not. I just, I guess I didn't. Crazy, but. All right, so that's what went on with uh, with all of that. And man, we, there's, um, we had so many other things happen when we were uh, on our hiatus. You know, we had another no-hitter thrown in the big leagues. Uh, that was done by Matt Garza of the Rays. The Rays had had three no-hitters thrown against them. One was actually a perfect game and then two no-hitters. Um, and finally, one of their own, Matt Garza, threw a no-hitter. And a great game, great performance, good for them. The Rays, uh, they're right up there with the Yankees, first place in the American League East, the Red Sox well behind. Um, it's kind of a three-team race, but I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and call it a two-team race between the Yankees and the Rays. Uh, if the Red Sox get some more players back off the DL, which they've had like 100 guys on the DL this year, uh, maybe it becomes a three-team race. But right now, it's the Yankees and the Rays. you got to believe the Yankees are the better team, or at least you'd think they would be, but they're just not playing like it right now. All right, so let's see what else. All right, coming up Friday, we'll uh, do the pop chart for you. We'll uh, look through that because otherwise uh, it's not going to work because I think I broke it. But we'll have all the uh, updated pop chart stuff uh, coming up later in the week. Plus, we have a lot of other things, uh, stuff that's still on the desk that I haven't gotten to. Don't worry. You know, here on this show, we we always strive for that. Uh, we always go that extra mile for you or, you know, at least an extra few inches. I don't know. Whatever. All right, uh, Mike at KMGX.com. That would be the email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. You know, just a reminder, I'd like to eat. So, you know, PayPal, our PayPal address is Mike at KMGX.com. If you really like this show, I'm serious now. If you really like this show, you want us to continue, want us to be on the air, that's cool. Send uh, just a... a generous contribution to this show five dollars ten dollars a million dollars somewhere in that range or more is great mike at kmgx.com is our paypal address all right so you know how we do stop like and share reminding you to donate to the michael groff show if you ever want to hear me on the program again then uh, you better donate Till the show. Tom, you're sounding worse than ever. Well, 
well, you know, after uh, after you do a radio program for as uh, long as I have, and you scream into the microphone as many times as I have over the years, your voice, it starts to elude you. That's what happens in this business. All right. That's what we ought to do. We ought to, we ought to put uh, inserts in between the segments. It's uh, Stewie Griffin here reminding you to uh, contribute to the podcast, right? Why not? We could do that. All right. We're back uh, tomorrow, I think, for another edition of Michael Grav in Exile. It'll come your way then. You know, we do this. Somebody gets to hear it live. Uh, anybody within the sound of my voice. I'm yelling out the window now. All right. Uh, thank you so much for checking us out. Uh, MichaelGroff.com for everything else Michael Groff related. See you tomorrow. Have a great night, everybody. And, um, yeah, don't spend that unemployment check in one place. See you tomorrow.